The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., And I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi guys, it's Sammy J, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Let's Be Real podcast. This is our season four finale, which is absurd to think about. The past 52 episodes in four seasons, I'm more grateful for this experience than I can ever say. And to kick off this finale, what better way than to chat with the incredible actor, performer, dancer, Dulé Hill. This might be one of my favorite episodes of all time. I'm just going to say it. I started the episode by bringing a pineapple because if you are a fan of the show Psych and you are a psycho, you know you know. Anyways, I love you guys and I hope you love this episode too. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the Let's Be Rural podcast. I am so honored because I am sitting next to the one and only Dulé Hill. Thank you so much for coming on. It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. You have such a unique perspective, and I think you're such an underrated artist because you've been in the business for so long, and you've been in such a variety of stuff. But before we start, I feel like it needs to be said (laughs) that I'm a psycho, and and I'm so excited to get into this conversation. Well, I'm glad that you are a psycho. I'm glad to be here, and I'm glad that you are a fan of Delicious Flavor. Absolutely. The psych world really holds a, a place close to my heart, like... The entire fan base, not just it's a, it's a it's a whole it's a whole thing it's bigger than itself at this point. It really is, and what I love about the psych world is that I feel like, I feel that like psychos celebrate and appreciate our unique idiosyncrasies, what makes us different. Oh, absolutely. You know, some folks may think we're like in general may, may think we were like pe- people might think Gus is a cornball, but psychos celebrate that. Yeah, and like that's Gus is who he is, and it's and he's worth celebrating and. Not not only on the show itself, but it, I think that is translated into the whole psych community. Mm-hmm. We celebrate 
what makes us unique, our unique glow, our like unique a pineapple. Essence, like a pineapple. Have you ever tried white pineapples? A real question. I have not. I've never even heard of white pineapples. Okay. So when I was in Hawaii, mm-hmm. it, they have white pineapple and it's white on the inside and it's like pineapple without the acidity. Really? Your sweetness. Really? It okay. is heaven. If okay. you can ever get your hand on some white pineapple, most underrated fruit I've ever had in my life and everyone needs to be aware of you it. You see, I need to check it out. I, I know. need to check it out. And if you turn on Psych one day and hear us talking about, or they say Psych the movie, whatever, mm-hmm. <laughs> and hear us talking about a white pineapple, then you'll know where it came from. You know what? I think you just have to try and get ready. <laughs> um, something that I also need to tell you that I did mention before is I did join a tap class because you inspired me. I think that's phenomenal. I would love to Start with tap. What drew you to that sport? Because it is a sport. I mean, yes, it is. a Look, it is a sport. I do think you have to be athletic in your own way to be able to dance in general, but especially to tap dance, just the way your body moves and contorts to create rhythm. For myself, I started when, at the age of three, and I really was just following the crowd because my brother and my cousins were going to a dance school. My mom was a ballet teacher there mm. at the dance school. It's a school called Marie Wildey School of Dance in East Orange, New Jersey. Shout out. And I went there just to be around them. I was, I was about the age of three, and I was took jazz, tap, and ballet. And as I kept going, I started to get more affinity for tap. And then at the age of nine, I booked this show called The Tap Dance Kid, which was on Broadway. And I understudied Savion Glover on Broadway for really about like five or six months. And then I did the lead role on the national tour for another year. And But on the national tour, I performed with somebody by the name of Harold Nicholas, who's of the legendary tap group, the Nicholas Brothers. They're an iconic tap duo. And being able to see what Harold was doing day Mm. in and day out compared to what I was doing really inspired me to go deeper in dance because that's I was able to see the musicality of dance and all of what you can do with it. I guess a few years later, I ended up doing a show called Black and Blue on Broadway at the same Minskoff Theater. That's so cool. You see what I'm saying? And that was with uh, Bunny Briggs, Lon Chaney, Ralph Brown, Buster Brown, Chuck Green, Jimmy Slide. These are all the hoofers, the legends of yeah. legends of tap. And being around them and really seeing what they were doing continues to have me go deeper and deeper. And then finally, when I was about 20, Savion Glover called me to see what I was doing. And I was a junior at Seton Hall University in New Jersey. And he needed one more dancer for a show called Bring the Noise, Bring the Funk. And I did that off-Broadway, and then we went to Broadway. And that's really when I started to grasp onto tap as my own because I started to really understand how it is music, how it is communication, and how it is really it's a, a language. Way. It's a language. And it's a, for me, it started to become a thing that was very cathartic. I was able to deal with my emotions and speak on things that I didn't have the vocabulary to speak on just mm. by putting it into my dance. We watched a short film on tap in my class. It was amazing, and it was this dialogue just through their steps. Mm-hmm. And I had never seen anything so just mesmerizing like that. The reason why I think tap is mesmerizing is because of the musicality. Mm. That's the only dance form that is both a dance and music. Mm. You know, if you hear music, it can just draw you in. The How melodic it is and the phrasing of things. Same with the taps. And tap is the same way. That as people are expressing them, themselves through dance and through music, I think the music side of it really can draw you, draw you in in that way. Do you have any other creative outlets? Uh, I've been trying to learn how to play the piano. Nice. I've been using this app called Simply Piano. Simply Piano. Has it been helping? Very much. I took it, I picked it up uh, around Christmas time. I did not know how to read music or anything. And it has really been helping me out. I can now read sheet music. I can know where, how to play it on the, on the keys. 
That's huge. Yeah, it's, it's pretty impressive. And this is not a paid endorsement or anything. I just really picked up <laughs> Simple Piano, and I love it. You know, and I pay my monthly fee every month. It's like five ninety nine. dollars You know, some app cost, and uh, you learn all these songs. What like, songs learn, have you learned? Uh, I've played, what's the what's the song that, that's in my head right there? Uh, it's a song from Porgy and Bass that I, I've learned how to play. I've learned how to play the James Bond theme <gasps> song. I've learned how to play a whole bunch of, like some Maroon 5 song. Uh, Love Maroon 5. There's all these kind of, like, the library of music that they have in there is pretty impressive. It's so a, what are you working on now? What's the goal? What's well, the next goal, well, piano-wise? I, I mean, I can open up my app. Let's see, pull up Simply see, Piano, guys. See, if you look, it says Simply Piano right mm. there on my, yep. it's buffering this. I know, it's got to load. So I can, I mean, I can come back to when it when it actually comes on, because I guess the signal inside here is not good. <laughs> oh, you see? But we'll, we'll come back to it. Yeah. But I, I, I love it. So I've been doing that. And then also because of the show that I'm on now, The Wonder Years. Can't wait to talk about it. I'm looking forward to it. But I, okay, hold on. All right, hold on. Let me. Simply Piano. It's loading, guys. I got a feeling. Okay. See it right here? That's going to be the next thing I work on. See it right there? Yep. How long do you spend a week generally playing piano? When I'm working a lot. Because I, in between setups, mm. we have a piano on the set. And in between setups, I'll go and play and I'm filming Atlanta, so I'm by myself. My family's still here in L.A., so I will at home at night just to entertain myself and to learn. I'll, I'll do that. It's a little more challenging here to spend the time. When do you have time? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to sit there and be on the piano for 45 minutes when I can spend time hanging out yeah. with Levi. So uh, it's been harder at home. It's been really hard at home to pick up my other thing, which I'm doing, which is the saxophone. <gasps> but the saxophone, I have I played saxophone when I was in middle school. Okay. I played it for about four years then i put it down for about 15 years and then i did a show off broadway i mean on broadway in 2013 around there called after midnight that was with uh fantasia barino desmond richardson uh, all these phenomenal i mean a cast full of phenomenal artists and the jazz at lincoln center all-stars amazing so in my mind i'm working with these great musicians i might as well try to maximize the time so i dusted off my saxophone and Thankfully, the a lot of the cats there, especially Mark Gross, who's a brilliant saxophone player, he uh, started teaching me how to play. So I started learning then. Yeah. And then, of course, once the show ended, I put it back down. But now <laughs> we're putting then, it back up, hopefully. And then now, for Wonder Years, my character Bill Williams on the show, he plays the saxophone. Actually, he plays the guitar, the piano, and the saxophone. I told Saladin Patterson, who's the show creator, that I have more of an affinity for the sax, and I know that better. So the more we can use that, yeah. the better. So now he's he's leaning more into him playing the saxophone. And I have a teacher out there, too, who comes to the set and is uh, Shep, Shepard. He's out there teaching me how to uh, how to play the sax, and I love it. Always learning. Always learning. I think it's important to always keep learning. I agree. You know, that's how you keep expanding your mind. That's how you keep leaning into tomorrow. That's how you keep growing. There's years ago, I was, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a tap dancer, and I was talking to Jimmy Slide, who was one of the legends of dance. Mm-hmm. And I was always enthralled with the idea of of the journey of a hoofer you know like the journey of tap dancers and really jumping through without going all into the whole conversation he's told me you know people call me a tap master but you can never be a master of tap every time i put on my shoes i keep learning i keep growing the day i put on my shoes and i stop learning and i stop growing is the day i need to take my tap shoes off Mm. and that always stuck with me that no matter how good you are at something no matter how prolific you are at something whether it's an art form or whether it's what you do at your job or whether it's how you interact with people, always keep leaning into it because there's always something to learn. There's always a place to grow. It really struck me that this is somebody who had been dancing for half a century by that point. And he was a tap master. He's uh, passed away now, but he was a tap master. 
But he, in his mind, you can never master that. Yeah. You have to keep leaning into it. And I, I just think that that's a brilliant, a brilliant way to approach life. Absolutely. And I feel like what's the fun of life if you're not learning and keeping your exactly. mind open and just keep expanding your horizons? Yeah. And, and trying things that you can't get right away. Exactly. Failing, failing up. You're and, only failing if you don't get back up. That's right. You're just trying otherwise. Yeah, it's like, come on, let me, let me try to get this thing. All right, let's, let me try it again. Let me try it again. Let me try it again. It's a way that I try to live my life. It's a good way too. And I think you have a very unique perspective. You've been in the business a very long time and there are a lot of ins and outs that people don't see. And I was wondering what the most difficult part of the entertainment industry that you face that isn't discussed much. I think it varies depending on which stage of life that you are in or which stage of your career. Mm-hmm. When I first was looking to create space for myself as an actor, that was the biggest challenge of, was getting people to see me as an actor because I started as a tap dancer, mostly on Broadway. I was doing musicals and trying to create that space of, I'm an actor. Yeah. And I can do scene work. I think one of the most flattering or most appreciative compliments I ever got was when Aaron Sorkin said to casting, he said, if more dancers act like Dulé, then we need to hire more dancers. And that really was, because I was fighting so much trying to create space as an actor. Mm-hmm. It's kind of funny because now people don't realize that always that I'm a tap dancer. Yeah. I was like, you dance? It's funny how life can evolve <laughs> that way. Yeah. But uh, when I was younger, that was the, the part about the career, just trying to create space. And in terms of trying to get people to see me as an actor, but also trying to just create space for myself in the business. Like, I felt like I was a good actor. I felt that I had something to offer and getting someone to see that. Especially someone like Aaron Sorkin and being on a show that is so dialogue heavy and it's, you know, it's so fast paced. Was being on that show, do you think that helped you um, grow as an actor? Just being around that kind of writing and that kind of... You know, go, go, go. Oh, yeah. You, can, uh, you can't be around doing the words of Aaron Sorkin, being directed by Tommy Schlamme, working with Martin Sheen, Allison Janney, John Spencer, Richard Schiff, Brad Whitford, you know, Rob Lowe, Stocker Channing. I mean, the list goes on. Yeah. You can't be around that group of creative people and not get better. It's like if I played basketball every day with Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Magic Johnson, and Larry Bird. There's no way you wouldn't improve. Exactly. And I'm not a good basketball player. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. But I would there's no way that I could keep playing with them for seven years. Yeah. Day in, day out, and not get better. I think you are known by the company you keep, which is why I try to always get around people who who can inspire me to reach reach further. Yeah, it's surrounding you know, you are who you surround yourself with. And when right. you surround yourself with other driven people that make you want to be better, you want to do the same. Same thing. You know, it's funny to talk about the West Wing too. Being a tap dancer helped me understand how to tackle the dialogue of Aaron Sorkin. Because of the beats? It's all rhythm. It is all rhythm. It's all rhythm. And once I, once I got that, then it all made sense to me. I said, oh, this is a song. Yeah. This is all just musicality right here. West Wing truly mm-hmm. is just musicality. Like, it is so it is so brilliant. What is the biggest takeaway you've, you learned from that show? Uh, I think, one, there's a few things. So, so I guess it wouldn't be the biggest. It would be a few of the big takeaways. Uh, one was to always stay humble in the midst of what's going on because it's not mm-hmm. going to last forever. I really appreciate how Martin Sheen was is such a humble person. He's always connected to his fellow beings. He's not a subjector of persons, meaning he's not going to talk to you one way because he doesn't look at you as, as being of value. Everyone is of value involved in the creative process from Aaron Sorkin to a PA mm-hmm. who just came on set for one day. And I was aware of that. I could see it because I... It's very to, rare. It is very rare. And I had just done a teen movie before that named She's All That. And I'd seen how a lot of my peers were acting on the set. And it was my first studio film and 
being on that set and seeing how the egos that were there that could yeah. be a, amongst a, a lot of a lot of people, but in that case, a lot of young people. And then to come to the West Wing set and see how Martin, who had such a great vast body of work, how humble he was, how connected he was, really stuck with me. And for myself, I said that's more the path that I want to follow. That seemed that resonates more with me of appreciating people. And I guess for myself too, because I'd been on the other side of the coin, especially being in noise funk, where Savion was the you know the, the big quote unquote star, mm-hmm. and you know that's, that's, that was my brother, my you know my my man, and we would roll tight, and I would go to places with him. But because people did not recognize me, you were treated different. Oh yeah, I got the soft handshake, the hey, how you doing, brother, and moving on. You know what I mean? <laughs> And then even and even after she saw that, because me and Freddie Prinze are very close, and hanging out with Freddie Prinze during that time, he was Freddie Prinze. Yes, I was in the movie, but I wasn't Freddie. I, I would get that same thing here in L.A. too of the the brush off. Really, it's not until West Wing came along that people started to now they want to be up in my face. But it, I took that in of I'm still me, mm. and I think it's important to always engage people, no matter who they are, where they are. You know, so that's something I took away from it. And then the other thing that I took away from it, from the art, from the craftsmanship of it, is to keep reaching. Mm. I, it's like a theme. I keep going back to this. I love reaching. it. But I remember, you know, the first season we got, we won Best Drama and we were getting all these awards and the collective energy of the cast and the crew was, let's go higher. Let's go deeper. Let's not live off of our laurels of yesterday. We had a great first season. The second season Gotta is even harder. Going. Let's keep digging. And that, I, I pre- like, that's still how I am. I, as a tap dancer, I'm that way. And as an actor, I'm that way. And I hope that as a person, I'm that way where it's, let's keep going further. There's more to get. You know what? That's so funny you say that because I think that shows in everything you've done. But also with Psych Alone, the movies just keep getting better. <laughs> it's like, it's the thing that just, it's like, it just doesn't want to stop, it which just, works just, for me. It just doesn't want to stop. <laughs> so it, it's, it's one of those things. And I know that Psych, it's such a collective family unit. Mm-hmm. And so those lessons you learned from West Wing, did that translate into that show as well? I think so. I think uh, I think coming to Psych from the West Wing, it was I came to the show now in a different position because I was more of a lead, mm-hmm. uh, one of the leads of the of the show. But Martin's energy stayed with me of respecting everybody, and this is how we're going to do it on this set. Really, it still stays with me. Any set that I go to, I try to keep that energy. Where It's like, look, we're all here trying to, Make something. Make something. Make Why something not enjoy brilliant. the process? Exactly. Let's respect everybody. Let's love everybody. Let's and let's just give our best best selves. I always say I'm kind of going down a side street. Do it. But if you get a group of brilliant people together, or a group of talented people together in a room who respect each other and give space for each other to show their gifts, something brilliant is bound to happen. Mm. It will always happen. Now, mind you, that may not always turn into this commercial success but it depends on how you define personal success well i said commercial success yeah yeah it will be a personal a personal success but yeah. it may that's just that's just the art world not everything you do is a commercial success mm-hmm. but if you get people in a room and we all respect each other give space for each other give space for your voice and my voice and hear each other and then allow our gifts to shine something brilliant is going to happen and that's really what i try to bring to every set that i come to on the psych set was the same thing of let's all I mean, some bits could come up from somebody in the crew just saying, I'm about to try this. We'll try it. Sure. Like if it, if it made sense, it wasn't just the type of thing of, no, you sit there and you do your job and I'll do my job. Or no, only Sean Spence, only James Roday Rodriguez, he's the only one that gets to be funny. No, Tim Amundsen can be funny. Maggie Lawson can be funny. I could be funny. Kirsten Nelson, Corbin Burnson. If it made the piece funny, then that's what we were going to do. It wasn't about one particular person having to get all the shine. It seems like it's also about 
the process of making. And I feel like so much is focused on the end result a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. But, you know, enjoying the actual process of being in the moment and going off of other people's riffs, like, it's the most collaborating is, I have found personally in film school, one of the most satisfying things. That's one of the parts about this industry that I love the most Mm -hmm. is being in a space with people and, all right, let's create. Yeah. Let's see what we come up with. And let's see if we hit the the target. And if not, then... We'll try again. You know, if we didn't get it right this episode, we're going to try again next episode. If we didn't get right at this performance, if it's on stage, we're going to go deeper. Well, let's try it again. Yeah. I love the creative process. I really get off on it. And I I feel like there's something so magical of having an idea and just seeing the process of it coming alive. Yes. It's just, it's unlike anything I've experienced and I just want to continue experiencing it. And I think you should. I think you should and I think you will. I appreciate (laughs) that. I think something that, going with Psych, you guys really played with format a lot. And I think that's one of the reasons why you had different themes from a werewolf theme to a musical mm-hmm. theme. You know, you redid the same episode twice, you know? Like, <laughs> what show start, does when that? When you start running out of ideas, you say, you know what? <laughs> what was the worst episode that we did? Let's redo that one. Is that, is that why that happened? Because I thought Cloudy with the Chance of Murder was a great episode in the first or second yeah, season. Look, it's the type of thing where the further you go along on anything, like the songs that I could sing now that I'm like, I could sing could sing a lot better now. Mm-hmm. There's material. Even with the West Wing, I feel like if I went back and had a chance to do some of that material, what could I do with it now? Mm. So I think with Psych and that episode, it was, we're just a show that swings for the fences and does all these crazy, wacky things. What's something that you don't see on television too often? Them redoing the <laughs> same, same episode. <laughs> I mean, it's so absurd when it's you think perfect, about it. perfect, though. And I take my hat off to even USA, you know, for... <laughs> For supporting it. I yeah. mean, because you're a network and you're like, wait, Didn't you what? do the same name? What? <laughs> same thing. So I, it, was, it was really about that was an episode that we didn't feel we got right. Mm. That we could have got done better. Which I think in general, artists probably always feel that way about work that they've done. But, but the fact that you got to actually revisit it and then redo it. Has any other show done that before? I don't think so. I'd be interested. I, that's something I would be interested to know. So if somebody's listening to this and has the time, you're a fellow psycho <laughs> to check all the television that has ever been done. <laughs> but it's like uh, anyone's redone the same episode, and I think that's what's so great about it is because you just are so willing to try anything, and you're kind of playing with supernatural sometimes and playing with different ideas. Mm-hmm. So when is like four coming out? When is the four movie coming out? That's a good question. You know, I always say as long as the psychos still want it, then it will come so i'm sure that at some point there will be another one i just don't know when that will okay. be so I'll, to all the cycles i will say wait for it <laughs> come on son i had to do it you know that's right mm-hmm. yeah there we go oh, was that a player named gus that was a player named gus mm-hmm. right there yeah thank you oh yeah oh yeah you know that's right <laughs> <laughs> oh i'm speaking re- of a player named gus yes that episode was written by saladin k patterson who is the creator of The Wonder Years. No way. Yeah. And look at that transition right you there. You see what I'm saying? I it's all, love that. It's always connected. Your career so has so many full circle moments. There really is. For example, Chris Henze, who is the one of the exec producers of Psych, he is also Allison Janney's manager. So I've known Chris Henze from The West Wing. That's one. That was one of the connections of going to Psych. Also, when I was doing Bring Noise, Bring the Funk, USA used to have this campaign called Erase the Hate, where they would do like these little commercials or little interstitials about combating hate. And the person who was running Erase the Hate back in the 90s when I was doing Bring Noise, Bring the Funk was a lady by the name of Bonnie Hammer, 
who ended up becoming the president of USA at the time. And I mean, now she's way up there in terms of the whole universal world, but that was a connection there too. So then now I go and do psych. And then you have Saladin Patterson, who's he was one of the co-exec producers. And he did that episode that you're talking about years later, he's doing the wonder years. And now lo and behold, here I am. So what is that like working with the same people on different projects? I think it's great. I love it. I mean, I, th- I think that's a, there's something that, that's a part of the beauty of our being blessed to, have longevity mm-hmm. in the industries that you keep crossing paths with people. And once you work with somebody, you start having a backhand. Mm. Like now we're meeting here. Now we cross paths again, two years, three years from now, it's more like, Hey, what's happening? Yeah. Or, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's a little, it's a little more familiar. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the beauty of being in this business. Even as I'm thinking about a world's connecting, I did, I understudied Savion Glover in the tap dance kid. Mm-hmm. And then, when Bringing Noise came around, I worked with him again. So the, the I can make a direct connection of how other steps taken to get to where I am, just creatively, of the people yeah. I've, I've crossed paths with. Okay, so we have to take a quick break, but when we come back, I want to talk about the second season of The Wonder Years, how the essence of the show really reflects on our culture today, a lot more about psych, and much more. We'll be right back. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy. And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together. We'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, 
to live and die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm very excited to talk about The Wonder Years because you said that this show is, quote, it looks back on yesterday to tell a story about who we are today. Yes. And I'd love for you to expand on that because I think you said it perfectly. Well, you know, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes I think you have to take a look back at yesterday to really gauge where we are. And how we got to where we how are. We, how we got to where we are and to see, to kind of like grade yourself. Mm -hmm. Because if I'm just living in a vacuum, then it's like, oh, yeah, I'm doing great, whatever but it's, when, it's only when you have it in comparison to something, you can realize either we've made a lot of change or we have not made a lot of change. You can see mm. how certain things are. Yeah, we've moved forward from, from that. And other in things, some ways, not so much. Not so much. And recognizing that is so important because that's the only way to move forward. Exactly. And, th and that's, really, that's really what I love about this show is that it's a— It's based in the 60s. It's based in the 60s uh, about a black family in Alabama. And in the midst of all the trouble of the time, the turbulence of the time, the challenges of the time— they're able to create their very own Wonder Years. Mm. And it's filled with love and laughter and heart. It's a good it, growing up story. I think it's a great growing up story. And, and I feel that uh, it's something, I, I appreciate having that on the air now. I completely agree. It, coming in week in, week out into our homes, there's not many things on television where families can sit down and watch it together. Psych, I feel like, was one of those. I agree. Uh, and this show, I appreciate because the lens that it's looking through grounds the show a little bit more. So it still is dealing with the world around us, but it also is bringing a lot of humor and levity as well. What is it like playing a dad? <laughs> you know, it's funny. You sit back and it's kind of like a, a time warp. You're like, wait a second. <laughs> You're a like, second. wait, wasn't I just in the tap dance kid? You know what I'm saying? Like, hold nine? on a second. What? And it's strange because like on the West Wing, I was, I was the young cat. Yeah. Even on Psych, we were all peers. Mm -hmm. So we're all just people doing the work. And then I get on Wonder Years and people are talking about how they weren't around when the first Wonder Years came on. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and you're and like, then, wait, what? EJ Williams is saying, you know, Dulé, you know, he's been around for so long. He's been in this game for, you know, this business for so long. It's really cool to work with someone like, I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> you like, mean I've been around here for so long? What are you talking about, young man? <laughs> I'm not, me and you are the same age. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a kid right now. What do you understand Just because I have a beard and I have some grades doesn't mean that I'm, we're not the same age. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm 12, don't you know? Yeah, right. But, uh, you know, at first it gets a little shocking of, wait a second, I'm playing a dad now? But then right on the heels of that, you appreciate it. Because again, going back to what I was saying before about even the Wonder Years, when you put it in perspective of everything else, mm -hmm. that means, Dulé, you've been on this journey for a long time. You've had the yeah. opportunity to do it for a long time, to do what you love for a long time. You've been blessed to really create space for yourself as a creative individual from the age of 10 till now. That's 
that's a huge blessing. So just yeah. take it in. The fact that you can play a dad on television now is a wonderful thing. Do you have to change your mindset well, like when going about the acting process? Uh, Be more affirmative at all? I don't think so. I think it's just, each character is different. Mm-hmm. I think the process is always relatively the same. It just depends on who the character is. What is the process generally? I mean, for me, I wonder how, how does this person talk? How do they walk? What is their worldview? Like, how do they, what is the lens that they look through? Mm-hmm. I ask myself questions about how do they feel about those who they are around? How do they feel about the world beyond them? Uh, these are all questions that I kind of ask myself no matter which character that I'm playing. But I feel Charlie Young walks differently than Burton Guster. He walks differently. <laughs> really? I wouldn't. I, 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 how? How so? Not at all. You know, who, who walks differently from Bill Williams. I think. Yeah. Who also, you know, I played a character on Suits. That person walked differently. Alex Williams, he, his energy is different. How do you, you know? how do you channel those energies? You know, it's funny because I don't, it's very hard for me to put it in words. I've realized that over the years that it's hard for me to actually put in words the process. It's, it's like jazz. It's like music. It just, it just kind of happens. Yeah, I just let it, I feel it out. And years ago, I did at William Esper Studios, which is where I did my acting classes in New York. Mm-hmm. I studied with Bill Esper. You know, a lot of times through the process, you'd work from the inside out. But then for some of the, the, uh, the work that we did there, we put on these masks. And then you would pick a mask, put on the mask, and then you'd, and you'd work from the outside in. So if the mask is a happy mask, it would start to affect how this person moves. Whoa. And it starts to teach me that all these things come together. You do the homework at home with the inside out, but then also the clothes that I put on. The shoes that I put mm. on. If it's if I'm in slides, it's different from if I'm in shoes. It's different than if I'm in some platform shoes. That that says a lot about the person. Yeah. The kind of shoes that they wear. It says a lot about the person, the kind of clothes that they wear. Do you ever feel limited in what you wear now? Because you're like, oh, that reminds me of that character. You mean personally or as I go into the nude? Personally. Oh, no. No, and anytime that I'm allowed to, something can make it from their closet to my closet, I'll take it. <laughs> That's the way to do it. That's the way to do it. You know, I can either confirm nor deny whether I have anything from any of my characters over the years. I cannot. They may look similar, but they may not necessarily be the exact thing. No, I may have just copied and pasted it. Exactly. You know what I mean? Right. I may have just found out out where it was purchased from and went and got it. From the manufacturer, of course. Exactly. Anything you absolutely didn't take from any show? Anything I absolutely didn't take? But, you know, like. I mean, let me see. I didn't take a piece of the wheel from the blueberry. I did not. It's like a piece of the rim. Oh, <laughs> you know, where is it? It blew up. Well, right now I have it. I have them in, in this like storage bin that has like a whole bunch of that stuff in there. I, I did not take the nameplate from Burton Guster's desk. Never. No. Nope. Never. Uh, I did not take the sign outside of Charlie Young's office that said "Deputy Special Assistant to the Chief of Staff." But never. No, I did not take that. I should have taken the one that said Charlie Young, personal aide to the president. I was not thinking at the time, mm. though. And I did not take, if those of you who watch The West Wing, the last episode of the series, Martin Sheen, our president Bartley, gives Charlie Young a copy of the Constitution. It's a little red book. I did not take that. Why would you ever take that? No. It's not sentimental at all. Yeah, I don't have that. So no. if, if people are looking for it, I don't know where it is. I don't have I don't have that. <laughs> well, you know, I can either confirm nor deny. You can confirm. I plead the fifth, of course. Exactly. I'm trying to think from Suits. Yeah, do you take anything from Suits? Did I, did I have anything from Suits? Let me think about it. No not, ties? Not no from, Suits? Not from the... Like, come on. No, no, I, think I, have, I think I took some of this. Well, I mean, I, I can either confirm never. nor deny, you know, especially if Aaron Korsh is listening to this right now. I don't know, Aaron. I don't know if I've taken anything from the, I mean, any of the I've, suits I've from Suits. I've never taken any suit from You know suits. the funny thing about Suits? 
is when Great I was going, when I was going to Seton Hall growing up, my intention was to be a corporate lawyer. I planned to go off to law school. <laughs> and then around my junior year, when I was doing North Funk on Broadway, I really started to ask myself, what is it that I want to do with my life? Do I want to go into the corporate world and be a corporate lawyer? Or do I want to continue pursuing the arts? I eventually decided to pursue the arts because I realized that that's what I had an affinity for. But also, at the time, I said to myself, I don't want to wear a suit to work every day. I want to go and be creative, like do that thing. I don't want to wear a suit to work every day. Then my first TV show is The West Wing, <laughs> which I would have to wear a suit, yeah, a suit every day. Every day. You know, and then, of course, Psych, I had to wear suits on that show as well. Yeah. And then not only that, but then afterwards, I get a show called Suits where I play as, you know, where I wear suits every day. What is the universe telling you? And I'm a corporate lawyer. <laughs> so so you, you've lived every, you've lived it out vicariously through I did. your character. Yes. I, I did. I ended up achieving both goals. I mean, I was an actor and mm-hmm. I was a corporate lawyer. Exactly. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? I Come mean, on. You've accomplished it all. What yeah. was it like working with your wife in Psych? Great. I love working with Jasmine. We have a, a good time. Uh, it's great to just be creative in that space. Having her mm-hmm. join the Psych world was a lot of fun because I mm-hmm. think it's a, I appreciate the love that the Psychos have given over the years, the support. And being that Jasmine was such a blessing to me in my life personally, I was glad to be able to then, to a certain extent, share our dynamic in a different way with uh, with the, with the psych world, with the psychos. Yeah. So it was great working with her, and she, you know, especially she just was so much fun with a ball of energy coming into the. So true, and something that if the psych movie doesn't come out anytime soon, I think we just need the unedited of the birth scene of the last. Oh my like, just gosh! How many takes that was? That's the entertainment. I think we all need. That was a lot going on, boy. How long did that take? We shot it in two days. The one scene in two the days. The one scene, because it was a long scene. It's a really long scene. And I, I don't think there was any real plan about how we were going to attack it. So we got there and we're like, okay. And then we figured it out and we just kept chipping away at it. It was a lot of heavy breathing by Jasmine. It was a, <laughs> a lot of a, crying A lot on of your crying part. by my part. You know? You've had to do a lot yeah. of screams. Oh, yeah. Here's Lassie. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think I think that was really just, if I'm not mistaken, did Rodé write that episode? Yeah, I believe Rode, he I believe he wrote co-wrote or directed it. Co-wrote it and then I... I don't know. I think maybe, he directed maybe he directed it. Uh, I think it was really just a thing of how can we get Dulé to scream? <laughs> Here's an idea. <laughs> Here's Lassie. Uh, that was a lot of screaming in that one. That's a terrifying uh, episode. Uh, that was a lot of screaming. And Tim Amundsen was so great in that episode. He really dove right in, into being a different kind of psycho. Okay, we have to take one more quick break, but when we come back, I want to talk about the second Psych movie and actually get your thoughts on a very special story Joel McHale shared with me when he was on the podcast recently. That and a whole lot more right after this. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. 
Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune into what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, A military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So Joel McHale was on the podcast. Oh, dig it, okay. And mm-hmm. he was telling, we were talking about psych. I just saw Joel McHale the other day. You did? Side note. Yeah, if you go on uh, maybe Tim's Instagram or, uh, yeah, he was, we had like a birthday oh dinner goodness. at Tim's house the other day. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Well, he was just on the podcast and he was telling me the whole story about the movie, um, the second movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it is so amazing how psych and the family just comes together every time, just to support each other and to be there for each other. I know that movie was especially very emotional to make because mm-hmm. it was, it, we didn't know if you would be able to make it again. Right. What was the process like of when that movie got greenlit and you guys could go into production? I think more, I think less about when it got greenlit and more when Tim walked on set. Mm-hmm. That was really the touching moment because with the first Psych movie, it really was a whirlwind that just happened. Uh, the ground shifted. We, it was that was something so far off of our radar, but we thought. Did you never happen. even think of doing a movie after the show ended, or was it just like we're going to let it be and see what happens? Chris McCumber, who was the president of USA at the time, he said 
when the show was wrapping up that he's fairly confident this is not the last we'll see of Sean and Gus. Now, mind you, you hear that often. Yeah. So for it to actually come into fruition was pretty surprising and welcomed. But then when uh, Tim had a stroke, that really, really shook us. Yeah. We powered through. We were able to do the first Psych movie. But it wasn't the same because we knew that Tim wasn't on set with us. It's a part of your family, not there. Exactly. So when, when we were able to now do the second one and to see Tim walk on set, it was... I just don't have the words to say how touching it was, how inspiring it was, because Tim had really just leaned into what he was facing and kept putting one foot in front of the other. Yeah. Like slowly and surely. And he really willed himself back to the set. And That's so inspiring. To see his strength in the midst of that challenge was inspiring and still is inspiring because he just keeps getting better and better. Uh, so seeing him on that set was was just was great and then even Joel coming up to do it was was pretty phenomenal too and we yeah. we actually did not you know Tim Amundsen and Joel McHale are pretty tight yeah we did not tell Tim who was playing his father we, we had like some weird name I forgot the name that we, <laughs> on the call sheet we put some weird name on, on it there it should have been one of the names that um, James Roday would call Gus like all it, it was something wanted... it was something like okay, that it good. was something and of course Tim wants to know because any actor would want to know yeah. who's playing my dad and it's a great actor. He's known, you know, he's here from Vancouver, <laughs> this and that. And he's a theater actor here and he's really great. And Tim was like, huh? <laughs> and then, uh, within five, I can't remember exactly how, now I'm trying to remember, I wish somebody was here to. I think he came on says what Joel told that me. That is what happened. Okay. So then it was then when he was on, yeah. in, in the rehearsal, in, in his room on the, yes. on the set. And then all of a sudden, Joel comes walking on and, and Tim was really just, Blown away to see his his friend coming to play his dad. This industry is there's a lot of challenging things that happen in this industry, but there's also it's also a really good community of people who love and support each other. At least along my journey, I've been blessed to work with a community of people who love and support each other. And when you can find those type of relationships, it really is a wonderful thing. Yeah. Having Joe come up, I mean, yeah, I'm sure he was a fan of the show and he liked working with us, but really he came up for Tim. And that's lovely. That's yeah. lovely to see those relationships that can grow out of being creative. Yeah. Out of playing make-believe for a living. I mean, look at you and James Roday. Yeah, I mean, he's one of my best friends. I have a lot of love for Roday. You know, he was one of my groomsmen. I didn't know that. In my wedding, uh, or in our wedding. Uh, you know, when I first met Roday, I mean, I'll never forget when I first was reading, doing a chemistry re read with him. Oh, I wish that was on video. You know what I mean? <laughs> you probably, you probably looking at my face thinking, if, if there was on video, my face would be looking at him like, what are you doing? <laughs> Because I came from the world of Aaron Sorkin, where you say the words. <laughs> oh, no. The words are, are written. That's what you say. They, they've been crafted. They've been sliced like very up. Particularly They're very particular. Chosen. You say the words. And I get in here in this room, and this cat is all over the place. He's bouncing off the walls. And I'm like, like he already had the job. So in my mind, I'm like, what are you doing? Like, you, <laughs> are you trying to mess do, this up Yeah, do you me? have a friend that you want to get in this role? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, what's happening? Uh, so to see where that has gone, that was in 2006. And now you're talking about 2022. I never would have thought in that moment that 16 years later, we still would be friends and we would be even closer friends and he would be really like family, like a brother to me at this point. But again, that's just all comes from playing in the place of make-believe. Make-believe is mm -hmm. where it's at. That's all, we, that's all we're doing. I'm like, that's why oftentimes on sets, I'm, I'm just like, everybody calm down. Relax. <laughs> Relax. <laughs> we're, we're, we're just playing make-believe here. That's all we're doing. That's all we're doing, guys. It, it's like, and I don't ever let anybody ever tell you anything different. Yes. The work you do inspires people. Yes, the work you do can affect change and this and that. 
but, but it's we're, we're playing make believe because <laughs> you're not really so and so. Like I'm not really Gus. I'm Dulé putting on these clothes <laughs> and playing. Maybe- I'm not really Bill. I'm not really. I'm not really exactly. I'm not really in the 1960s. Guys. The same way my son right now says, "I'm pretending, Dada." That's all we're doing. <laughs> and some do it <laughs> better than others. That. Some have opportunities to do it more than others. But even Pacino is playing make believe. Yeah, you know, <laughs> we're just playing make pretend. Yeah. yeah. And that can be, and that's awesome. And I feel like it is awesome. I feel like now we need it now more than ever. Telling stories is the most powerful thing. And I also feel like through those storytellings, you can tell so much, but it is just make believe. Yes. And, and there's something you, that's what I was going to say is there's things that you can, you know, I grasp from playing, mm. from playing make believe or from seeing somebody else play make believe. There's things you can learn about yourself, things you can learn about the world, things that can inspire you to go and affect change in the real world. But at the core of it, we still are playing making. <laughs> That's just so I, I always try to remind people of that. Mm, it's it's a good reminder. And so season two of the Wonder Years is coming out, which coming is out. so exciting. I'm very excited to share this world with with our audience. It's gonna be a lot of fun. We're gonna have a lot of fun guest stars. And I think there'll be a lot of laughs to be had. I'm excited. And what's next for Dule Hill? Anything uh, you can say? Any manifestations but, you wanna put out you know there? What I mean, uh, it'll be interesting to see. It's a time of Transition, you know, our daughter Kennedy has gone off to Northwestern, so she's there doing her volleyball thing. And that is very surreal because just a few months ago, she was at home in high school. And the other day I turned on ESPN Plus and there she was playing in Tennessee. And now she's like a person playing D1 volleyball. Yeah, that's been the thing the most that really I think has boggled my mind of this is crazy. Like how quickly things can change and evolve. Mm -hmm. Uh, Levi is growing up so wonderfully. And it's a time of transition, so I really don't know exactly what is next. I know what's next is now I'm going to go and knock out this season of the show. But again, I always stay open to mm. what's next. Speaking of what's next, that's like what President Bartley used to always say, what's next. That's something that stays with me because I'm always open to what is next. Any personal projects? Uh, for personal projects, I want to keep learning the piano. I'm going to keep learning the sax. I have a goal of playing the saxophone on air. Because now, now when I play on the show... I got the the keys right, mm-hmm. but someone else is Ah, uh, got it. You want to be able to I want them to record it live one time on the set so that I could say, no, that was me playing that. Mm-hmm. So that's a little personal goal that I have. Just to keep to keep learning and growing in my art forms. Uh, I want to dance more, I want to play the piano more, I wanna play the sax more, I wanna sing more, I wanna continue to act. I just I wanna feed like sow more seed into being creative and just try to be better. Mm. Be, be better. Be, yeah, be a better being. Be a better husband. Be a better father. Be a better man. But also give myself the space and the grace mm. to know that it's a process. Yeah. I've been following, my friend told me about the 1% rule, okay. which is to do something to make yourself 1% better than you were yesterday in one aspect of your life. I love that. So whether that's sending an email or doing a yoga class or making a vision, like whatever mm-hmm. it is, doing something one thing a day. Because right. of 1%. And I've been doing it. I've noticed a huge difference. But it's, I think I love, I love that idea. Uh, one thing that I've tried to do and I'm still working on it is to respond to email within 24 hours. Mm. My wife's best friend, Jocelyn, that's like something she does. Within 24 hours, she responds back to That's an impressive. Email. And I'm trying to, that's like my little focus. Because mm. I'm not the best at it. I'm not the best email's at it. It is hard. It is hard. You have to write like, dear so-and-so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to play this piano. Where's my Simply Piano Where's app? Where's my Simply Piano app? I want to play Maroon 5. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know what I'm saying? But uh, that's something that I'm uh, working on, and I'm I'm working on being on time. 
I was on time today. You were, you were you see what perfectly I'm saying? on time. You, you see? were early, actually. You see, you see what I'm saying? And most times. With time, LA traffic, too. With LA traffic. You know, sometimes I'm set, I'm in like a five or seven minute grace period. Mm-hmm. I'm always on time to set. I'm not always on time to mm. the greater set. But like yeah. when it's time to roll, by the time you're ready to roll, I'm ready to roll. Yeah. There's a few times. I won't say very few because Saladin's probably going to hear that and be like, very few times. <laughs> but uh, there's few times that they're actually waiting for me on set. Mm. But I can be late to work or late to an appointment. You're a human. You know what I mean? So I'm working on that. Yeah, you're a human. You know? Yeah. yeah. But I also don't like people to be, to be late when it when it's for me. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the hypocrisy of my life, everybody. But you know what? We all have it. <laughs> well, Julie, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to come on my podcast. This conversation truly just made my week. I'm so excited to watch The Wonder Years season two and see what else is to come and hopefully to see you play the saxophone live on air all right it's it's coming it's coming i appreciate the time right now we've had a great conversation and i look forward to slicing this pineapple up for the road (laughs) imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia the cia and the kgb that's where my new podcast begins this is neil strauss host of to live and die in la and i wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes... Nearly $10 million was all gone. It's just unbelievable. Hide your money in your old rich men, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.